Welcome to Leading Age Workforce Innovators. This podcast is part of a series by the Leading Age Center for Workforce Solutions, which examines promising practices and innovations to meet workforce challenges. I'm Gene Mitchell, editor of Leading Age Magazine. In this podcast, you will hear an interview that we did in March 2018 at the Peak Leadership Summit in Washington, D.C. We spoke with Bill Lowe, who is president and CEO of Chicago Methodist Senior Services, about a program he established to bring in nurses from the Philippines. He co-presented an education session on immigrant workers at the Peak Summit. Hello, Bill. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, Gene. Glad to be here. You could start off by telling our audience why you started this program. What was the need that needed to be filled? As far back as 2005, we were worried about the nursing shortage, and we still are today. We've made a a full-on commitment to be in this business, which we've learned a lot along the way, and to stay with the program so that we could have a perpetual supply of nurses. Uh, Now, who are the employees we're talking about, and what job categories uh, do they include? We are recruiting from the Philippines, and the employees, when they come, they are bachelor's prepared nurses, so they're registered nurses, which is the majority of our nursing workforce, so they're really filling uh, the need for us. Uh, Backing up to, you know, the why we started this, when I approached the board, it was to defend the nursing against the nursing shortage, but also to create a revenue stream ultimately if we were able to recruit and petition more nurses than we needed for our own selves, we could port them over to other nonprofits and that's that's uh, something that has happened actually. And uh, so now we have a waiting list from other nonprofit organizations, primarily in Illinois but in other states as well, where if we have excess nurses we have a waiting list and when that nurse's uh, name is called and gets to immigrate to the states, they have the right of first refusal, and most everybody accepts that, that nurse when, uh, when they arrive. Right. So what, are, what is the mechanism for um, uh, bringing these nurses to the United States? Okay, well, we petition uh, through a program called EB3. That's uh, Employment-Based Third Preference. I'm not going to go into the details of that, but it's, uh, it's a fairly fluid process. It starts with a petition. It can all be done in the Philippines. What's great about the state of Illinois is we can actually petition the nurse, recruit them, work with them in the Philippines. We actually advance uh, some fees to pay for for their fees along the way because most people do need the financial assistance. And they can arrive ready to work as licensed in Illinois without ever uh, coming to the states before they start to work, which is amazing. It's not true of many other states. We haven't worked, obviously, in all 50 states. But for example, in Indiana, there is one of those catch-22s a nurse has to have his or her social security number before they can make their way to the states. So it's sort of a vicious cycle. So when we port nurses to Indiana, they first have to start with their Illinois license in Illinois, and then we we immediately get their social security number, and then they can uh, apply for licensure in Indiana. Okay. Do you, do you have an agent in the Philippines or a recruiting company, for instance, that you work we with? We do, and that's one of the lessons we learned along the way. When we started our petitioning in 2005, we were petitioning, uh, you know, nurse after nurse, just a handful. When we got to 10, the Filipino government, government informed us that we see a pattern here, and you're obviously, you know, going to be doing this, it looks like, as a business. So you need to pass all of your recruits through a Filipino, a majority, at least 75% owned uh, Filipino business. 
And so when we researched that, that was one of our first stumbling blocks because that, that sounded rather innocuous at first, but because we did all the work, we had all the paperwork, we were ready to go, we just had to go to the Philippines Overseas Employment Agency to get this rubber stamp for them to be able to emigrate to the States. Well, it ended up, when we approached other agencies, they wanted to charge like three to 5,000 U.S. dollars just to get that rubber stamp. So we knew at that point in time we were going to form a Philippine agency. And the, and the, the woman on our staff, and actually whose idea it was to start this program, Rose Policarpio, is our VP of nursing. She's a Filipino citizen, and it's her agency that uh, our candidates pass through in the Philippines. And she goes three or four times a year on recruitment trips We've even just recently started a, uh, a training center for those that are going to take the NCLEX, the exam needed to become an RN. And so we're really, we re you can see we're really committed to that. And it's a big business in the Philippines, and there's lots of for-profit competition that are, you know, petitioning hordes and hordes of nurses. And so fortunately for us, uh, and maybe because of our approach, we sort of have garnered a reputation as a good destination for nurses. And as a matter of fact, when the last nurses that, that came when we went out to dinner with them on their first night, they indicated that when they were before the embassy, people were asking, what's your destination? And they said, United Methodist. And they were like, well, we know that's a great place to work. And it almost like the interview ended and they got the, the check mark. Okay, that was very gratifying uh, because our, our volume is, is it, you know, we petitioned 70 nurses in 2017. That's the most we've ever petitioned. But to know that we've already got that reputation is really gratifying and, of course, important for success. How long do the nurses stay with your organization? We do have a three-year contract with them, but the U.S. Labor Department does not really uh, support duration of stay clauses in employment. We do have liquidated damages built in, but those aren't enforceable either, really, if push comes to shove. So we're really highly dependent on the uh, process and goodwill that's, that's attained by uh, staying with these nurses uh, through their uh, education and, and uh, you know, requirement meeting in the Philippines. And then eventually when they arrive, that's when we, we really do a good job and we insist that our clients do too. We, we provide uh, two months of free housing. Uh, we insist that our clients do as well, you know, that they're, that they're, they're treated like uh, even though there are employees when they're ported to another or nonprofit organization, we ask that they be treated and, you know, with the same sense uh, and benefits and so on that, uh, that their other employees would get. So it, it works out really well. But the key to the longevity is not in the contract. It's really in the fact that, you know, they, for seven years they've known Rose. Uh, in some cases it's taken, well, I say seven years. In some, early on it was taking seven, eight, nine years for the nurses to arrive. We would... Uh, petition them when they were single oftentimes and when they uh, when they arrived they would uh, you know maybe have a child and be married the nice thing about the the program uh, that we recruit under is that the family can come and they usually come a, a, just a few months later so it's not like a uh, you know the separation of family has to factor in right. how much do they earn well they earn the prevailing wage which is set uh, set by the government and that prevailing wage is, you would think it's intended to be, you know, exactly spot on with what's market. It, it really depends on the market. In the case of Illinois, it's, it's slightly below what, uh, you know, what an uh, RN would make with similar, their entry level, similar experience. But, it, but it's pretty close. And so we're mandated to pay that. We always pay at least that, uh, that wage. And uh, it, it, it works out really well. Are you an aging services professional seeking education opportunities? Visit Leading Age's new online learning platform, The Learning Hub. 
The Hub offers something for everyone, whether you're a CEO, mid-level professional, or just starting out in the field. The Hub's content library includes a range of topics to keep you up to date and informed. With convenient access to professional development opportunities anytime, anywhere, the Hub is great for busy aging services professionals. Visit learninghub.leadingage.org to explore the expert-led education available at your fingertips. So do most of the nurses come here with the intention of eventually going home or are they more interested in staying and getting citizenship? I would say without fail, it, it, it's the latter. They're interested in staying. One of the biggest businesses, probably the biggest business in the Philippines is exporting human resources really all over the globe with the United States probably being the number one desired destination. Mm -hmm. And so this is fulfilling a dream immediately uh, when they earn their first paychecks, they're already sending portions of their paycheck home. And that's really important to the family. It's something that they've wanted to do on behalf of their family. And uh, it, it's super important. The nice thing, our board views this also as there's a mission element in bringing these folks to the Philippines too. Uh, most of the, a lot of our, our folks come from low-income backgrounds. You can hardly work as a nurse in the Philippines. In some cases, to gain your required experience, you have to volunteer at the hospital. And if you are getting paid, it's far below our U.S. minimum wage. And so the fact that they are, within two to three years, middle-class Americans, uh, you know, uh, driving newer model, later model cars, uh, you know, certainly you know, before long, many own uh, condos or homes. It's a, it's a really good it's a really good success story. So, how many uh, Filipino nurses do you have in your employee right now? Well, we have about 40 RNs at uh, CMSS, and all of them currently are from the Filipino program. Mm, okay. It's remarkable. Are there any socialization issues between the nurses and perhaps with the residents or the other staff? You know, not really. I would say when people ask me about you know the talent and the you know the personalities and the fits, uh, even disregarding the cultural things, I'd say it's like the bell curve. You know, uh, some of our nurses need need some, some more handholding and guidance, both in inculcating and in their nursing skills, or either or. And so you know we find ways to support them if if it's a nursing skill issue where they need some training, we'll put them in, in a less demanding unit. And some come like amazingly overqualified, but the, again, like the bell curve, the, the majority are kind of right, right smack in the middle of what we could hire, um, you know, from the American workforce. Right, right. So uh, do you think this program will change in any way in the future, or are you happy with it now? We always feel that one or the other governments are, um, you know, intentionally trying to thwart our efforts. And we say that with sort of a gallows humor, uh, you know, intention, because it's, it, it, is, it has been challenging. So uh, you just don't know when, the, when a rule might change or when the reviewers in the United States might take a different view of things. We've always had to sign that we have the uh, ability to pay these nurses when they come. And recently, we've had some requests for evidence to say, prove that you can pay for all these nurses that are coming. And of course, in order to do that, you know, we articulate, first of all, these nurses are going to be paid by operating revenues, not like an endowment. But just in case you need further proof, we always show them our audited financial statements and, and show their own endowment, which is not enormous, but it's substantial. And so we feel like we've you know, proved in spades that, that we can't afford these nurses. But recently, we've had a few denied for inability to pay because they're, it's not really like a CPA who's, re, who's reviewing this, sort of a naive review of financials. They almost believe that you, you have to have a net income that's going to be equal to the, what they actually do is they analyze all the nurses that you petition 
and then they multiply the wage. And so they might come up, say if we have 70 nurses, which we do in the pipeline, they'll come up with a number that's like three and a half million dollars. So we can afford to pay them. The answer is yes, we can. Because if you looked at what we paid and you know, how much payroll we pay to our 40 nurses, it's, you know, two point some million dollars. And, and when they're on our workforce, they're being covered by operating revenue. So yes, we can cover them. And we have a, a nice uh, backup for in case we have downtimes. But they view it as like, if you don't have a net income, and that income that's equal to pay them, or like, you know, this buckets and buckets of money, that's, it, it seems like an inane argument. We do feel like we will prevail, but, you know, we may have to end up um, actually suing the U.S. government to, uh, to prove our case, which, which might be the most expeditious way. The, the most awful thing is, is for a, nace, a nurse that might get caught in that trap to, uh, right. you know, because then she, it's her petition that actually has to be, you know, has to be adjudicated. And then in case, in that case, she'd be stuck. She'd be stuck in the Philippines, Philippines until, which is why we want to right. go the fastest course. We, we can appeal this, but I understand appeals, you know, they, they might take a year. We don't want to do that to that nurse. This should, right. this should be something we should resolve rather quickly. Right. Okay. So for any leading age members who would like to replicate this program, where would they get started? What, what, what is the first thing you would tell them? Well, first of all, you have to have a, a, a commitment uh, to doing this. It, ha it has to be a long view. I mean, it doesn't have to be long. You could, you could do onesie, two, onesie, twosie petitioning, I suppose, at any point in time. But I think you'll become really good at it if you, if you commit to it, if you commit to it for the duration. In our case, it, it does appear like the vast majority of our nursing staff will perpetually come from this program. That's not necessarily important for everybody else to do that. They, it might be fine if they get 10 or 20 percent. But I think the key is to, is to stay at it because these, these timelines change for when uh, they can come in. Uh, the, the earliest nurses took like seven years to arrive, seven, eight, nine years. Now uh, the needle has moved so that uh, people we petitioned in 2017 should be able to come in a couple of years, arrive from the point that we first petitioned them. So that's not so bad. And it's sort of like any, anything where you're going to have an, uh, you know, a need year after year after year. If you can have some people coming in every year, that's what happens to us. Every year, some people arrive. Some people are maybe to their three-year point. Some people maybe they're, they've stayed longer than three years, but they're ready to, to move on to some other job, move, move to a different state. And so we, you know, we, have, we have the replacement coming. It's, re it's really worked well for us. So I think it, you're going to need, so you're going to need the will uh, and the determination to do this. And I think oftentimes that will comes from need, right? You know, the desperation being the, you know, the inspiration for innovation. And so uh, if you have that need and that commitment, and you're going to need a good immigration attorney. And if you have that, you can get started. And, and, uh, and we, we're always happy to, uh, you know, to mentor or even do turnkey petitioning for folks or teach them the process. It's, uh, it's, it's worked for us. Uh, and I'd highly recommend that, that people defend themselves because we just don't know what's going to happen in our labor market. Right. right. Bill, thanks for speaking with Leading Age today. You're welcome. Thanks, Gene. That interview with Bill Lowe is part of the Leading Age Workforce Innovators podcast series, available on the Leading Age website. I'm Gene Mitchell. Our producer is Charlie Visconage, and the Leading Age Center for Workforce Solutions is led by Susan Hildebrandt. You can listen to more Leading Age podcasts on our website, and you can subscribe at iTunes, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. If you like what you hear, please give us a rating and leave a comment.